Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Pilot's Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our beautiful co-host, Maddie. Hey, guys. What's up? And this week, we are joined with a guest, Tegan. Hi, Tegan. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining us today, Tegan. I um, actually came across Tegan's page on TikTok, and it was really, you have such an interesting and very unique and inspiring story that I'm grateful that we get to share with our audience today. Um, And I'm just really honored to shed some light on trans pilots and have you kind of share the process of receiving your medical today. So at the top of our show, we really like to start with our first question is, how did you start your aviation journey or who got you interested in aviation? Um, let's see, my aviation journey started, I was yeah, probably 12. Um, and I saw somebody flying an RC airplane and I immediately got hooked. Um, I got into RC airplanes for a while. And then um, not long after that, started flying real airplanes Um, It was kind of on and off for a while, but ultimately I met a guy named Terry Birch who really took me under his wing and kind of taught me everything I know about flying. He was an airshow pilot, test pilot, built airplanes. I worked for him for a while learning how to work on airplanes. So um, now I'm able to work on my own airplane now and he signed off on a lot of my work. Um, But yeah, he's the one that really kind of got me into it. I love that um, you're inspired by someone because I, I feel like a lot of us have those stories, like some person has been an integral part in our aviation journey or getting interested in it. Um, some people don't have that, but I do love when you have like an attachment to a person who's started you into aviation and given you that passion. Yeah, he's been an absolutely amazing mentor for me. I mean, I could I wouldn't be here without everything he has taught me. So um, he's the one that got me into ferrying airplanes and um, he helped me get my CFI done. And just, I, I, there's just so much I could attribute to him that um, I'm so grateful for. I love that you have someone in your life like that, but how has becoming a trans woman changed your journey to becoming a pilot? Like how have those journeys, uh, how do you say that? Like, have they affected one another? Have they crossed paths at all? Um. So as far as my journey in in my pilot career, you know, in my pilot career, um, I got my commercial and CFI done all prior to starting H, uh, HRT and coming out as trans. Um, so it hasn't affected, fortunately for me, it hasn't affected that. You know, I'm still very early in my trans uh, transition. Um, the biggest effect has been, uh, you know, I've, as many trans people do, I've lost a lot of um, people who I would call friends that were in the community um, or in the aviation community in general. Um, but then also, you know, the medical process itself has been uh, definitely a challenge. Um, I knew prior to starting HRT that it was going to be. I've done tons of research on it and I thought I understood the process. Um, apparently, there was. Uh, oops, sorry about that. Uh, there was a few things that I was unaware of that I have recently learned that I'm working through. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if that fully answers the question. Um, you know, it's a continual, it's, con- it's, it's a continuing learning process. I've since 
coming out, met a lot of other trans pilots that have been very helpful, met some other, you know, I've, I've got in touch with a few organizations and I've learned a lot. So it hasn't necessarily slowed me down moving forward. It's just made some things harder. Yeah. No, that's a perfect answer. And I think it gives some context as to like what we're going to kind of get into when we get to the rest of these questions. But it always sucks to kind of hear that you lost friends through this process. Kind of makes me sad to hear that. But yeah. Yeah. You win some, you lose some. (laughs) You don't want those people in your life to begin with, I feel like. Yeah. And that's been a big lesson for me. And I think that's, you know, outside of flying, just a lesson for trans people in general, you know, you'll have some friends that stick around and you find out that they really are absolutely amazing friends that will be there for you no matter what. And then you find others that were very much surface level friends. Um, It's not a bad thing to let go of those people. Um, A lot of the new relationships and friendships I've, um, I've fostered since coming out or, you know, early before coming out, have been some of the best people I've ever had around me. Yeah, I think um, you lose the ones that are, you know, not there for you, but you also gain like a whole new community. It seems like they've been very welcoming and and I'm happy that you have that because I think the losing your friend's part can be difficult, you know, like you obviously are going on a different path that they don't understand and Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like that can just be hurtful, you know, just knowing that they don't like something. Um, But I always think it just comes from a place of misunderstanding or not understanding at all. Um, But I love that you're surrounded by a new and amazing community that's very supportive. Um, And then to touch on the medical side of things, uh, what have you learned about going through the FAA's aeromedical system that you otherwise wouldn't have known before? So from the outside looking in, I've known a bunch of people who have had to go through special issuances or have, you know, lost their medical and gotten out of um, flying because of delays and things like that with dealing with the FAA. But I wasn't aware of where those delays or things stemmed from. I just thought, oh, you've got a, you know, you've got a heart condition that ultimately, yeah, you're just not going to fly anymore. Right. Um, what I'm learning is, uh, well, dealing with gender dysphoria in the FAA on the surface is pretty straightforward. Um, there's a form you have to fill out uh, with a psychiatrist um, that says you're all good to go. You don't have any other you know, mental health related issues. Um, and you send that in. The problem was some of the wording was a little ambiguous. And my the person who filled out my form marked one of those questions incorrectly, um, which started the, it started my learning, learning journey with the FAA uh, aeromedical process. Um, that triggered during the review, um, they had to send me back a letter for clarification. The only reason I knew this was because I saw when I logged into MedExpress that there was um, a uh, correspondence had been generated. So I wasn't sure at the time if that correspondence contained my you know, newly minted medical or if there was questions or something like that. So I started calling the FISDO down in Oklahoma. And that's when I started realizing there is no way to get access to any information in the process. Um, I I was told there was a letter generated. They didn't know what the letter contained. And I just needed to be patient um, and call back in a few days if I had questions. So I continued to call back and call back and 
um, at one point, you know, I, I started to question, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. There's no way I can find the contents of these letters. And, um, and the person on the phone actually told me, no, and you will just deal with it. This is not going to change. I, I was mm. kind of, I was kind of struck. I was like, excuse me. And she says, you will either deal with the process or you just won't fly. And I was just like, wow, that is, you know, I would have never expected, <laughs> you know, I'm just asking questions. And I'm like, right now I'm currently flying on my previous first class medical because it hasn't been denied yet. And mine doesn't expire for another couple months, but I'm like, the clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, and soon I'm not going to be able to exercise those privileges. Well, uh, it's yeah. ridiculous for her to give you that amount of attitude. It's like, I, I, where do you get off on treating people that way when, you know, this is for a lot of people, their lifeline, their income, it's, it's their entire world. So to speak to somebody that way is really ignorant. It was, yeah, it was absolutely horrible. Um, and so I, I kind of said, well, is there a way I can, you know, file a complaint or anything? I mean, this is like, I was never expected to be treated this way. Yeah. Uh, she says, well, you can, you can send us a mail, a letter in the mail or <laughs> fax us something. I'm like, really? You know, like the only way they communicate is through fax and mail. Yeah. Um, but that's when I started kind of realizing like how broken the process was. Um, it started kind of opening that door. Like, oh, this is why it takes people so long. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is so flawed, but I appreciate you pointing that out because not a lot of people realize that, that even though there are programs like MedExpress and there is things online, it's, it's still a very long process and you're not going to be able to get in touch with anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when I talked to them, basically they said, you have a letter coming, we can't tell you what's in it. Um, but it's a certified letter and you have to be there to sign for it. So I went, okay. So I started, you know, and I, I waited and it probably took three more weeks for that letter to show up. Um, never mind issues with the postal service out where I live, not actually wanting to deliver that letter. But um, yeah, I finally, I finally got the letter and it basically said, um, we need explanation why this section of the form was marked uh, and just a number. Um, and at the time it was, it was still very ambiguous and I didn't fully understand like, what, what do you mean? Like how, what do I need to explain? How, you know, what, yeah. are, you, what are you expecting? So I started calling Oklahoma again to try to get clarification. And they're basically, you don't get to talk to the person who wrote this. You, you have no way to message them. You can't ask any clarification questions. They say, basically just do the best you can and send it back and we'll see what happened. <laughs> which it's like, again, like this is people's, you know, livelihoods. Um, yeah. And I mean, uh, I was just filling out my IACRA stuff yesterday and uh, my CFI was like, don't mess up anything because getting it, the government, the FA to change it is going to be really difficult and it's going to take a long time. And I started chuckling to myself because I'm like, it's like everything else, Everything mm -hmm. takes a long time. So for them to say, like, fill it out the best you can when you know that your medical is like kind of teetering in limbo on this paperwork that you're supposed to do is really just like an asshole thing to say, because it's like, dude, if I mess up on this or say something wrong, you guys are going to tag me with something else. So 
it yeah. is important to fill that stuff out. And I don't like how they say fill it out the best you can. I think that's terrible advice. Yeah, it was absolutely horrible. Um, I did learn one thing though, while I was waiting for that letter to show up and I was, um, I, I got the NGPA involved. They have some attorneys um, and they said, contact your local FISDO office. They have a medical examiner locally. And I contacted them and sure enough, within within an hour of calling them, they emailed me the documents that were on their way in the mail. You just posted that on your TikTok, right? Like, uh, Yeah. So I ended up following up again because I, I got my form fixed. I, we wrote a, a narrative, you know, a, a letter saying, this is why it was marked incorrectly. Here's the correction. Um, and I mailed that back about a month ago now. And I've been following up again with Oklahoma because MedExpress was not updating, showing that that had arrived. Mm-hmm. And when you receive a letter from the FAA to for more documentation, they write, you have 60 days to get that back to them. Otherwise, it you just get basically denied. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was approaching the one month mark after mailing them those letters and nothing had shown up. And Oklahoma kept telling me, well, just wait, it'll show up. It's fine. You can just mail it again. We don't know where it is. Just all of this blase, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, I'm halfway through my 60-day window. So if I have to start over and mail it again, it very well could expire, you know, <laughs> that window. And I don't want to be in that in that position. Um, so after a few calls to them, I decided I'm going to call my local um, FISDO again. And they had, they said, oh, you can actually just email us. As long as it's not too many forms, you can email us. And so I did. I emailed the forms to them. And the next day, MedExpress updated and said, we have documents here for you. Mm. And in, and you're back in review. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I Everything has been resubmitted again. It's in review. And now I'm just waiting. It's nuts how much time is wasted because of the whole snail mail process and the fact that it's been really difficult to just get an answer on the phone. And it's like, I think about how much more efficient it would be if, like you said in the beginning, like if you just called that person and that person was able to speak to you and tell you directly exactly what you needed to fix or give them on those forms how much quicker this would all be like solved and it almost feels like you know we constantly say that they need more resources but it feels almost like a misuse of resource right now because if they just had like someone there like shit i'll wait on hold for two three four hours whatever it takes if you can just give me a direct answer and i don't have to wait 60 days through like med express and snail mail exactly a hundred percent. And I, I don't know if I commented on one of my TikTok videos or not, but um, I do most of my medical care through the VA and the VA, I can log, I have, it's abysmal to log in, but I have access to all my lab results. I can send messages to my providers. Um, you know, I can see past test results, all this kind of stuff. Um, that's all available online through the VA. The FAA is worse than the VA. <laughs> <laughs> Not to set the bar low or anything, but it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 
the frustrating part is like again and i i will literally say it till i'm blue in the face but they they truly believe there are people at the fa right now um northrop being one of them that fully believe that the med express website and that that platform is appropriate for si and aeromedical processes which is absolutely just i hate to say it but like batshit crazy like if you think that you're batshit crazy yeah, yeah i mean like we've had this technology available to be able to upload documents and review documents securely for decades now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. But yeah. I also think like it would make be a lot easier if they just said and relayed the message, like talk to your local Visto, you know, like why don't they do that? Right. It, it seems like counterproductive for them not to say that because they're just putting more work on their own shoulders, but it would be much easier if they just gave that advice. So I'm glad that you're pointing that out because I've heard that from another pilot as well a few weeks back and they said they went to the regional um who was the federal the air surgeon the regional air surgeon and they were able to get things moving faster so i think doing things locally or regionally is much easier than going straight to okc which is weird advice to say like don't go straight to the source go to your local officials first but that's Um, exactly what we're doing with i mean advocacy so it's like you got to you got to find a way and it's weird the pathways that you have to take but and that is crazy to me everything that maddie just said and what you just told us tegan that is nuts that just by speaking to them within an hour that you were able to log back on a med express and everything that you've been waiting for was there after yeah. just one phone call and again like maddie said why couldn't they have just told you that the person that you spoke to at okc why couldn't they have told you that um yeah. Again, it's just the mismanagement of resources is really strange to me. But anyways, I did want to ask you, so in total, how long has this whole process taken you? And what were some of the requirements, like specific requirements that they want to see for your SI? Right. So um, I went to my AME at the end of November last year, Um, and I'm still waiting and it's end of April now. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's about five and a half months, five months. Um, it'll be minimum six months (laughs) to be done. Um, as far as requirements, um, the, the only thing that caused me to get my SI was because I had started HRT. Um, and here's, this is going to drive you crazy too. HRT, at least for me, all I'm taking is something called estradiol and something called progesterone. And these are standard medications that cisgendered women can take for perimenopausal, you know, issues and things like that. And the FAA has zero issue with them taking it. There's no SI, there's no nothing. Your AME just signs you off and you continue going. So there's no medical concerns on how these medications affect our bodies at all. The only reason I have to get an SI is because of the reason I'm taking them. <laughs> it's yeah. so insane because I'm just thinking I literally go to the store and get plan B and that's a progesterone pill. Yes. And I don't have to say anything. So. Yeah. Y'all 
got gut issues because Emma and I sure do. I have an issue with high sugar foods and anything with added preservatives and Emma has a whole ass gluten intolerance. So we struggle with finding tasty treats, but thank the heavens for Abby Nola because it has been a lifesaver when we want a sweet treat fix without all the gut bombs that high gluten foods like cookies and cakes give us. Abby Nola has a chocolate granola that is made with lupini beans, so it's gluten-free and only has one gram of sugar, leaving our sweet tooth satisfied and our tummies feeling perfectly fine. You guys, you can head over to abby-foods.com or the Instagram account at abby-foods-co for your granola fix turned tasty treat fix. You'll also find all kinds of recipes to try out, so you'll get never get bored with Avinola. Use code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order of Avinola. Yeah. And it's like those medications, like, uh, I forget who was explaining that verbiage to us, but it's like, it's like those um, medications aren't aromatically significant. Like, if, if I can take it and I don't have to be on an SI, there's really no reason for you to be on an SI just for that one thing is again, crazy. I just, yes. And more work where there doesn't need to be more Mm -hmm. work. Right. And so that's what triggers it though, is because I'm taking that. And, um, and so with that, the pathway says you have to have a, um, you have to have this form filled out uh, from a WPATH certified um, uh, psychiatrist. And when I first started looking for them, there was only three of them in Washington state and they all charged upwards of $1,500 to do this, um, to do a, a chat with you to make sure that, you know, you had no other um, psychiatric issues and um, not that gender dysphoria, you know, I believe is a psychiatric issue by any means, but um, they they want to make sure that, you know, you don't have any depression or things like that. Um, they fill this form out and you send that into the FAA. Uh, in theory, that's supposed to be all it takes. Um, like I said, we, we mismarked one, one box on that form and we're in the process of fixing that now. But, um, yeah, the fact that there was so few of these people who could fill that form out, the cost was insanely prohibitive. And most of them were six to nine months out to even get an appointment to talk to them. Mm-hmm. so had I waited yeah so had I waited for my medical to be almost expired and then got on the waiting list to talk to them I would have been nine months out before I could have even submitted paperwork for this process I would have been you know staring on the barrel of a year and a half to two years Jeez. yeah 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 that's wild Um, fortunately I'd done a bunch of research ahead of time and and so I, I was able to eliminate some of those delays, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging. So do you think like, do you have a time frame of when you think that you'll get your medical? I'm hoping if the paperwork we sent in, um, is sufficient, I'm hoping within the next two months, but I couldn't get clarification either. Um, it took them almost um oh what was it about two and a half months to even start reviewing my case since when it was submitted um and i was trying to get clarification when i called okc hey when you get these letters back do i go back to the end of the line and wait another two and a half months to get in front of somebody to review it 
or because I'm already in review, do I move up to the front because my paperwork is there? And they couldn't answer that question. So, yeah. yeah so at the doctors there, they I've watched some like forums and stuff where they've been talking because there's only four that are reviewing all of these medicals. And some of they all have different ways of how they look at the medicals. So I know one of them, he says that he looks at first class medicals on a first, even if third class medicals have come in, like he's always taking the first class before third class and other people take them in first come first serve basis, but no one has like a standard of how they receive the medical and process it. Wow. Which is messed up because it's just that's just not fair. I'm sorry. It's not fair. (laughs) And I mean, I understand that first class, there is a priority because those people are, you know, airline transport pilots, but at the same time, somebody with a third class medical, you could be a student and this could be the make or break between choosing this as your career or just deciding to ultimately pick up and go somewhere else. And it's just entirely unfair. I think it's very unfair. It's weird because like aviation is such a seniority based system, especially in the airlines. So it's just like to see the FAA not go by like the seniority where like first come first serve, they don't do that. It just doesn't make sense. So yeah, I don't agree with that either. Yeah, it's, it's mind boggling. I don't, (laughs) I don't understand the process, you know, and you speak to enough pilots who have lost their medicals too. Like even the third class people who are trying to get their medicals, like people who aren't doing this for a job sometimes this very much is our outlet though yeah Um, Mm -hmm. you know like i couldn't imagine a life where i don't fly and i've listened to some of your previous episodes and i like my heart just breaks for some of these people who will never fly again um yeah and so like i mean it's it's insanely important to be able to process everybody's medicals um but the the lack of transparency or consistency in how they're reviewing them just I don't, I don't know. I, I can't get behind that. Hmm. All right. So Maddie, do you want me to move to number six? Yeah. Okay. So Tegan, what advice do you have for a LGBTQ member um, who might find themselves in the special issuance pathway? Um, my advice would be to number one, find somebody else who has gone through that if you don't have anybody near, if they don't have anybody near them who has gone through it, reach out to organizations. Um, I always recommend the NGPA, which is the National Gay Pilots Association. They have a ton of resources. Um, They can provide a lot of really good guidance. Um, I've been chatting with the the co-founder for the Transgender Committee there a bunch. I've used their um, AMAS service, which is a free for members legal legal representation and they helped interpret they helped me interpret what the FAA was asking for for my medical um they also have um some um counselors you can talk to who you know they they work with the LGBT community and pilots in general so they understand the the nature of mental health reporting and things Mm -hmm. like that very cognizant so if you need somebody to talk to while going through some of those challenges they're they're very good to talk to with you know very low stress of ruining your medical or i'm sorry your aviation career yeah it is crazy to me that you had to talk to a lawyer to understand the verbiage and what the fa was asking you which 
again, reminding me of my point earlier where I literally couldn't find the words, but that's exactly what I mean. It's just to have to seek out a lawyer to explain like verbiage to you about your medical is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is so ambiguous. It's, it's, and it shouldn't be, this is not a time to be ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's just like, you're reading the words and you're like, okay, so what does this like actually mean? And that's kind of, that's how you get into hot water and trouble is like trying to interpret it your own way, doing the best you can, as they say, mm-hmm. and you could be trying your best because not everybody can afford a lawyer. Also, that's the hard part about things is like, not everybody has the ability to get these resources, even if they're there. Cause I know yeah. the aviation medical advisory services that you do have to pay for consult with them. Um, but, and I know that I've heard great things about them too. Um, and I've recommended their services, but uh, I just think it's hard because when you have to interpret it yourself, you don't have anyone to help you. That's when you can get into hot water. So I'm glad at least like you were, like you said, you were very proactive in, in getting your medical and looking up all the things and advocating for yourself. I think that's the most important thing is always advocate for yourself. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you, I've always felt that the FAA discriminates against pilots, um, and regarding like the mental health arena, especially. Um, but do you feel that the FAA discriminates against certain groups of people based on their mental health standards as they stand right now? Um, I think they do, honestly. Um, you know, I don't have outside of this, I haven't had any mental health issues I've had to deal with, with the FAA with the FAA directly, um, Mm -hmm. that affect me. But yeah, I think there's definitely some dismissal, you know, to people who have gone through, um, some sort of, you know, mental health crisis. Um, none of us are immune to, to things like that. You know, you could have a bad, a bad day, a bad month, a bad year, um, life happens, but, um, it shouldn't end your entire career. Yeah. But it One feels of the like- things that I thought you said was like kind of important to point out too is you said like you had to get uh, a psyche valve correct for your um for gender dysphoria. Yep. But I agree with you in that I don't think gender dysphoria has anything to do with your mental health, but I do think that the FAA links those two together. They do 100%. Like I said, it's the only reason that the special issuance gets triggered is because they're concerned with the reason that I take medications that they're okay with. Yeah. So in that way, I feel that is discriminatory. Yeah, I I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk to you about that because I don't get to talk like this very often with other pilots. They're not in these certain situations. So uh, I just thought that you also agree and are pointing that out as well. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that definitely, I would agree with that 100%. So my last question for you is what is your ultimate career goal as a pilot? Um, as a pilot originally, so I'm a ferry pilot, which I absolutely enjoy the work. I love it. Um, my, my ultimate goal was originally to continue doing ferry flying, um, more full-time and try to get a, like a corporate, uh, job so that I could ferry on my off time and, and fly corporate jets. Um, that has changed a bit since coming out. Um, I will probably be going to the airlines and I'm not upset about it by any means. Um, just 
being in my shoes in a world right now where, you know, people like me are under attack, working for a larger company with a good HR department is probably a yeah. safe, safe thing for me. Um, and then on the side, I, I definitely want to continue teaching. I, I teach, you know, advanced tailwheel instruction, mountain flying off airport stuff. And that's kind of one of my really big passions that I want to continue doing. I was going to say it's it's probably a good decision to kind of start looking towards the airlines because just like you said, having those resources there for you. Also, I just feel like there's th that that's kind of the downside of general aviation. And as a woman, I've thought about that a little bit because I've always said on the show, I'm like, I don't think I could ever be a flight instructor just because like, what if somebody wants to just balls to the walls freak out on me one day you know what i mean like what if just somebody has it out for me and just like you said like you know the transgender community really is under attack right now and that's something that i kind of i'm glad you touched on that because right now with it, it like the whole bud light thing it's just it, it's madness i was just having this conversation at work last night but yeah i i'm glad that you know, you're looking towards that because I feel like general aviation is you could potentially get in a situation where somebody might not have the best intentions for you or worst case scenario, want to hurt you. Um, and in general aviation, it's very like one on one. Um, and just like you said, there's not very many like outside resources. Right. Right. In fact, it's it's already kind of affected my ferrying. Um, I've turn down the volume of stuff I'm ferrying a lot recently um, just because of, you know, the crossing, crossing the middle of the U S right now is, can be a challenge with somebody like me. I can't hide as the person I was at this point. I've got too many physical changes, but you know, I can't, I can't hide either, either side. Um, yeah. You know, I don't pass on either side at this point, which I'm not upset about, but um but it puts me in a, in a dangerous position in some places, you know, and I mix that with a lot of the, the threats of violence I get against me on my TikTok channel. You know, I, my channel isn't about necessarily being trans. It's more that just, I visibly am trans. And a lot of my stuff is about, you know, off airport flying, stole contests, um, some of the mechanic work I do, um, and ferry flying. And it still generates an immense amount of hate and um, and death threats, and so you know I look at I look at those as tangible threats. Yeah, and traveling across the country, it's it definitely puts a new perspective on things. Would you? Oh, sorry. Would you say there's like an uptick um, in that like hatred recently in the past couple of months, or has that something that you've always kind of had to face on social media? Um, it has definitely, there has definitely been a, a big uptick in it recently. Um, less around the Bud Light thing, more around the shooting in Tennessee. I've mm. had people come out and actually accuse me of murdering children because a transgender individual, you know, went into a school and shot people. I'm like, I am not the one who did that. Like, yeah, supporting yeah. it, whatever. But um, just because of that, I've had a bunch of stuff, a bunch of people come after me. Mm. I didn't even think about that. Honestly, it's, I'm not in your shoes. So I'm glad that you're pointing all of these things out 
because it's important for our audience to know that trans pilots do face a lot of discrimination in multiple areas. It's not just on TikTok, but like you said, flying over the middle of this country can be scary. And it's something that I don't have to worry about, but it's a very real fear for you. And I'm sorry that you even have to face that. Um, I'm just like, my blood is starting to boil. So I'm sorry. <laughs> like you bringing those things up just like really makes me mad that you have to face all of this. Um, but I'm glad that you're talking about it because people do need to know that this is happening. This is real life for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Mm. It's hard to move to a fun question after that. I know. <laughs> sorry. Let's do it. <laughs> And that's why we do fun questions because a lot of the stuff that I've talked about is very heavy and it's hard. It's it's reality and reality is not always fun to talk about, um, but it's something that people need to know and, and learn about. So uh, moving on to fun questions, I made them all LGBTQ friendly because I wanted to talk about it and ask questions. So my first one is, have you gone to a pride parade? I had not gone to one yet. Um, I was trying to go last year. We were going to fly up to Victoria and we had some issues with the airplane and couldn't get up there. Um, but I am going to go to San Diego Pride this year. My company is actually um, going to be sending me down there. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. I have been to multiple. Um, I've gone to Seattle Pride, uh, done it for the airline that my husband worked for, and then attended it by myself. Um, My husband, his moms are polyamorous, so um, they came with us. It was so much fun. Um, I would say being being a bystander of the parade is way better than being in the parade. Um, And I've also gone to the one in Palm Springs, my... Uh, mom she has a house down there so we, I think this was last year that we went we just happened to be there during uh, the pride parade so we went down and attended it and it was a lot of fun that was fun what about you Emma have you gone to a pride parade before I have not and I really really would love to like go and Charleston's very like pride like we we have a good gay community here so I would love to do something like that but honestly I haven't seen anything like I've been here for a year and I don't think I've ever like really seen uh, an event like that. But the minute that it happens, I'm going. Oh, it's like seems fun. Such a fun experience. I told my husband, like the only time he's been hit on more than me is at a pride parade because he was in his like little um, rainbow shorts and they're like so tight so many people complimented him I was like oh my god I've never been to a place where more people have had on him than me um <laughs> but it was so much fun like I I love the experience and the people there and all the different costumes that people wear too it's, it's just fun to see it's a it's a good vibe um so moving on to the next question T who is your favorite LGBTQ celeb um I would say Elliot Page. Um, I already loved the Umbrella Academy. I think it was great. But watching somebody so publicly transition, like mid, you know, mid show, it was really cool to see. And the amount of support that he got after that was, you know, I I absolutely loved it. I love that show for one. And then I love that they were able to have Elliot transition in the show as well so um my but my favorite LGBTQ celeb is Jonathan Van Ness 
Oh, uh, I love him. Uh, he is my queen. I love him too. Uh, I just, I just love the Fab Five in general, but his personality just, I, I just love it. He's so extra, and that's what I love about him. His, um, his getting curious with Jonathan Van Ness yes. is an amazing <laughs> podcast. Honestly, if I had a podcast recommendation, it would be that because it's, it's very educational. But he's a treat to listen to. Um. Gosh, I was gonna say him, but now I have to pick someone different. I'm gonna say um Hunter Schaefer from the actor from Euphoria. She is so beautiful and I love her personality. I just think I don't know. I'm she's very transfixing for me. She just did um the I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. I think it's Mule Mugler Mueller. I don't know. It's a high fashion brand, but they have um a really popular perfume. I believe it's alien is the perfume. And she just did an advertisement for them. And it comes up on my TikTok as one of the ads. And every single time it comes up, I just let it play. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm a watch you, honey pop yeah. off queen. Uh, mm-hmm. But she's an amazing actress and just gorgeous. I have yet to watch euphoria, which is insane to me, but I need to get on that bandwagon. Uh, you know, Honestly, if you haven't watched it, you know, you don't. I'll be okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Honestly, it's probably better for your mental health to just not watch. Um, (laughs) It's it's a little bit sad. And I think for you and I both as two people who have lost our fathers, um, the main character is dealing with that throughout like the show. And she's also, you know, dealing with drug abuse and drug addiction. But it is very kind of triggering. I will oh. say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe I don't need to trigger myself. No, no. It, it kind of makes me depressed a little bit, which is bad. But I will i don't know why. But I get excited. Like when the new season came out, I was hyped for it. But I don't know. I'm already too deep now. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to finish. Yep. Okay. Moving on to the last question we have for you is what is your favorite gay-friendly city? My favorite gay-friendly city would have to be San Francisco um I absolutely yeah I I I just I love it there I was there not too long ago and you know now you walk through um near the international district and they have like an entire block with all the light poles painted with the trans flags they have another block that's all for people who are by and it's like they just it just keeps on going they're so loud and proud and I've never felt more comfortable being me in a city as I have being there that's fucking awesome. I love that. I love that. And San Francisco is dope. Um, that's one one of my favorites, but I will still say uh Palm Springs, the the vibe there, they're very gay friendly. I even I always forget how gay friendly they are, but I was literally going through security and this guy's like, uh, you can go in front of me. I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for my husband. He's like, I'm waiting for my husband too. I was like, oh <laughs> it's just like so normal down there. Um, and I love that because I don't have to worry, like, is anyone going to get like in a situation? It's just very friendly and I feel like very safe down there with everyone. Um, so that's what I, I like about gay friendly cities is because you don't have to worry. Like, is someone going to cause a scene? Is this going to be an issue for someone? Um, it's just very like comfortable to be there. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me to answer because I'm 
down in the south south. (laughs) i would say i love new york city um obviously new york's massive so there's wherever you go there's gonna be hate but i feel like new york is definitely very very gay friendly and whenever i go i see a lot of representation but i will say um for such a southern city and such a such a deep south state Charleston has done a very, very good job of just doing the most to bring representation. Um, Even though like I haven't seen like a pride parade or a pride celebration, a lot of the restaurants, bars, clubs are like very, I don't know, there's just a friendliness here. I also see a lot of um, LGBTQ members just like out. And I haven't really seen that before. Like in Raleigh, North Carolina, you you would think that you would see a little bit more of that. But I've seen way more of that here um, versus anywhere else that I've ever lived. All right. Well, that is it as far as our fun questions. The only question that I have for you, Tegan, is I know our audience is going to want to connect with you. Where can they find you? So primarily I'm on TikTok, uh, Let's Fly Tailwheels. Um, and then I'm also starting to spin up uh, more content on Instagram as well. Same thing, Let's Fly Tailwheels. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Um, I just, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your message and bringing this element to our podcast. Cause like Maddie said, we haven't really talked to anyone in the transgender community. So this was awesome. Thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. Well, that is it for this week's episode. As always, remember to keep the blue side up and the brown side down. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, y'all. If I can find the stop recording, that would be...